everyone, and welcome to another episode of the Heartland Franchise Guy, your insider's guide to all things franchising in the local area. I'm Blake Martin, local small business franchise owner and your Heartland Franchise Guy. This is the place for advocacy, resources, and education on all things franchising, and a great place for local entrepreneurs looking to learn more about the franchising industry. And today, what we're going to learn about is the legal aspects of franchising. I want to thank our guest, Dave Holman, who is a franchise law specialist with Fitzgerald Shore Law. Thanks for being here today. Absolutely, Blake. Th- thanks for having me. I've been, I've been looking forward to it. Should be fun. Well, I got a lot of notes, and I can see you do too, yep. because there's lots of angles we can take on this. So we're going to jump right into it. So many issues to touch on. There is, isn't there? Isn't there? So the focus today, back to our audience, we're going to talk about considerations and the legal aspects of making the right decisions before, during, and after investing in a franchise business. Dave, my first question is, it's a niche, right? Franchise law is a niche. How did you fall into this niche or how did you get into this niche when you entered the law practice? Uh, I've been practicing law about 30 years. Um, During that time, entirely focused on business law, a little bit of real estate work. Okay. In the last 10 years or so, our firm has represented a number of franchisors, people that are in business that have franchised their concept, and we've assisted them with preparing their uh, franchise disclosure document, the FDD, their franchise agreement, all of their documents, and helping them get the franchise up and running. Uh, through that process, you know, we've, we've learned the state and federal regulations that relate to franchises um, and just kind of learned about the process. So th- with that experience, it was a natural fit that we would also represent franchisees. Yeah. So through contacts in the industry, such as yourself, we get introductions to people that are looking to purchase franchises and, and we, we like to work with those people and, and help them out. Makes a lot of sense. Yeah. So you spend a lot of your time working with folks that are thinking about starting a franchise. Exactly. Um, As you know, people, when they're considering a franchise opportunity, they look at different concepts. Um, So yeah, we, and and they're entrepreneurial at at heart, you know, they're, they're business people. And a lot of times they want to look for new and interesting new careers. So it gives them an opportunity to, to pursue a franchise. So we, we enjoy working with those folks. Sounds very familiar. (laughs) Can you talk a little bit about what your role specifically is as you're advising folks on making decisions in franchising? I I think three main areas that we we tend to focus on in in helping prospective franchisees. The first is with the the franchise agreement itself, which Mm -hmm. which is a lengthy document, a lot of information. It's just a short 150 pages or more. I was going to say it's it. Some of them are over 100 pages. A lot of them are 40 or 50 pages, and they're very detailed and mm-hmm. a lot of contractual information in there. And it's, it's difficult for the layperson to, to get through that without some input from an attorney. So we, we try to help them um, identify the important provisions and, and evaluate the risks in, in that agreement. A couple other things we do, we help uh, franchisees when they're ready to purchase the franchise form an entity, a mm-hmm. business entity. Most of the time it's an LLC, help them get a, a employer ID number, tax ID number. Mm-hmm. Both of those things they need to open a bank account for the, for the business, which is obviously important. kind of an important step. Exactly. <laughs> and then a third thing we do, 
a lot of times a franchisee will need to either lease or purchase real property to, mm-hmm. to locate their business. So we'll, we'll assist them with reviewing lease agreements or, or financing documents and things like that. So those are three main areas. We're a full service law firm. So we, we also do commercial litigation, we do estate mm-hmm. planning. And so those, those other specialties can come at, come into play at certain times, but right. those are literally helping people through the life of their, of their career, business. their entrepreneurial business. Exactly. Yeah. We're definitely going to go back to your comment about uh, lease negotiation uh, in a minute here. But on the topic of negotiation, you knew I was going to ask this question. (laughs) You hear all the time out there, right? Well, you can't negotiate a franchise agreement, so why have an attorney review it for you? What's your answer to that? It's a good point. Most franchisors expect a prospective franchisee to sign the version of the franchise agreement that they're presented with. And the reason for that is franchisors have a number of franchises over a large geographic area, and they have to have consistent terms. Mm-hmm. Um, they can't negotiate special sweetheart deals with one franchise and and not expect that to carry over. Right. So they're, they're pretty insistent that you maintain their version of the agreement. But really what our role is, as I mentioned, is to help the, pr- the prospective franchise purchaser get through a really dense document, understand what the terms are, understand the important provisions and how they impact them, and then evaluate the risks of that. So that's really what our role is. There are occasionally some terms that can be um, nuanced or massaged with a, with a franchisor, but generally they will not negotiate the primary you know, franchise fee, territory rights. Those things are, are pretty much set in stone. Yeah, there has to be equity across the entire franchise system, Absolutely. as you say. Yes. Yep, yep. When should somebody come to a franchise attorney like you? As you know, the the process of, of evaluating different franchise opportunities can be time-consuming and can, and can span over many months. Mm-hmm. You know, typically we don't have uh, – franchisees come to us at the beginning of that process. They need the time to do their research, do their due diligence, determine which which franchise opportunities are best suited to them. Toward the end of that process, the franchisor will provide them with the, the FDD, which I mentioned, which mm-hmm. includes the franchise agreement. The franchise disclosure document, exactly. FDD. And that has a ton of valuable information, really important for the franchisee to, to review that, along with that franchise agreement. And by law... Under federal law, the franchisor has to provide that to a franchisee at least 14 days before any documents are signed. So usually a couple weeks uh, during that time frame, during that 14-day time frame is when we'll get contacted and begin reviewing the agreement. Hopefully it's before the, the franchisee does their on-site vis- visit, their discovery day. Yeah, It can be really helpful to kind of understand the, the uh, contract requirements before you do the in-person visit. So that's kind of the time frame when we, when we like to meet with meet with the client. And that way, if there's observations or questions that remain, you're arming them with those before they go sit down eyeball to eyeball, break bread with the the key executives of the organization. That's exactly it. Yep. We want them to have eyes wide open when they go for that in-person meeting. So they're armed with questions and, and things that they've discovered in the agreement that they, they want to ask about and get responses to. So it's it's a really good time for them to to get those things answered. Got it. Thanks for the clarity. 
So you've got a unique perspective. You, you were talking about, you know, you practiced business law for a number of years and then moved into the specialty of franchise law. So my question with that perspective is knowing what you know now, why should somebody, so if, if I'm looking to invest in another franchise and I want to have the agreement reviewed, why does it matter whether I come to you with specific knowledge in franchise law versus just somebody who understands contract law? As with so many things, the area of franchise law has become very specialized. I mean, there's a myriad of, of state regulations. There's an entire overlay of federal regulation related to franchise laws. Um, so, that, so there's a lot of details involved in that. And only by being familiar with those laws and having reviewed dozens of different franchise agreements and franchise documents, do you kind of get a feel for, you know, what, what are the, what are the typical provisions? What are areas that's kind of seem unusual? What are areas of particular risk in a, in a particular franchise? So I think that background and experience is something that is value that we provide. And, you know, there's a lot of lawyers out there that, that are probably qualified to do that, but, but we pride ourselves on providing that, that extra customer service. Gotcha. And if I remember correctly from conversations, I mean, you guys have immersed yourselves in the franchise world as a firm, right? I mean, we have, yeah. yeah. We we've, as I mentioned, we've got a number of of clients that are franchisors themselves, and so there's a a lot of uh, technical work related to that. There's annual updates to uh, franchise documents. There's we're in the season right now where there's state filings that need to be made. So that bank background is very helpful when we're dealing with individual franchisees. Yeah. Yeah. I get it. <laughs> you mentioned in your answer there, um, you know, the, the different, the, the different time stamps or time periods. Let's go back to that real quick. So what are the things that you help people with. And, and I wanted to kind of break it down to the before, during, and after. Yep. So like the, pre, the pre-opening, the pre right, before somebody starts a franchise, the the initial commitments that are typically in, included in a franchise agreement for somebody that's never looked at one before. Right. Could we start there and then kind of go into the covenants and commitments that are during and then end of term ones? Yep. Yeah, that's a good way to break it down because there's a lot of information there. But but those those initial requirements, some of the key key provisions in the franchise agreement that relate to those sort of things is the actual grant of the franchise license. So the franchisor has a business model, has trademarks, has proprietary information that they use to run their business. So when you sign that franchise agreement, the franchisor is licensing that confidential proprietary information Mm -hmm. to the franchisee, kind of giving them the the leg up to, to, you know, learn the business and, and become successful at it. So that initial, that grant of the franchise is a key provision right at the beginning of the franchise agreement where they license those rights to the franchisee. Um, another key term is the length of the, of the franchise uh-huh. agreement. These are lengthy contracts. A lot of them are 10 years, some are 20. Mm-hmm. And that's important because that length of time allows a franchisee a sufficient period of time to, to, to monetize their initial investment and, 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 and make money to justify that, that franchise purchase. But it's also important because for that entire period of time, that 10-year term, say, the franchisee is obligated to adhere to all the provisions of the franchise agreement, pay all the fees. Right. It's very, it, it can be very difficult to, to terminate that agreement early. So it's important to recognize the obligation that you're getting into. Um, Thanks. 
a couple of the other important initial terms are the training that's provided. The franchisor Mm -hmm. typically has a training program. They allow one or more of the employees or the, or the purchaser of the franchise to attend that training. So it's important to understand what's involved in that, what information is conveyed, who pays for that is another term that's usually identified in the, in the contract. Um, Territory rights. A lot of franchises provide some level of uh, geographic exclusivity to a franchise so that you're the only franchise that they're going to sell in a particular area. So it's important to understand the the parameters of that. How many franchises are going to be around you? What exclusive rights do you have? Do you have any right of first refusal to acquire those territories that are near your territory? Mm -hmm. That's a very important one. Um, Another one that we we hope identify for people is whether or not the franchise agreement requires a personal guarantee. Um, okay. Most franchisees sign sign their franchise agreement through an LLC or a corporation mm-hmm. as as a limitation of liability. But most franchisors require personal guarantees by the owners of the franchise, guaranteeing all of the obligations in the in the contract. So that if if Unfortunately, the business does does not do well. That the uh, the personal guarantee re- requires that the owner make good on those on those obligations. So that's a very important obligation. Mm-hmm. It's something that people need to be aware of. Yeah, what kind of obligations? Particularly the financial obligations. So you know, every franchise agreement has an initial franchise fee that gets paid, which is a, a substantial investment, but ongoing fees typically referred to as royalty fees, which is based on a percentage of the the monthly income that gets paid um, directly to the franchisor. So throughout the life of the franchise, those obligations will will be necessary to to satisfy. And so an individual owner needs to needs to be aware of that and accept that that risk. Got it. Which kind of brought us into the during, right? I said, let's break this down into Um, you know, pre-opening obligations, you're already talking into the, to during the term, other things that you're keeping your eyeballs closely on with, with any of your clients who are, um, who have invested in or are wondering about what's it going to look like once I've invested in the business? Yeah. I mean, it's, it's important, um, that, that the franchisor provide ongoing support during the term of the franchise. So that if there's questions, if there's, you know, issues arise that they've got the experience to provide that franchisee with, with that additional input so that the business can be successful. And the good franchise uh, businesses have that support and are are right there at your side to take care of you and to, to make sure that you're successful. So that those are components in the franchise agreement that we look for. What are those levels of support? Um, You know, there, there's, as I mentioned, there's ongoing fees that get paid. There's royalty fees. There's typically an advertising fund, that a franchisor will have on a national or regional basis that each franchise contributes to. So how does that fund get administered? What sort of advertising will, will be placed in your area that benefits you directly? I mean, those are, those are key, key things for a franchisee to understand. Um, another big one are the restrictive covenants. Every franchise concept wants to protect their their niche of the business, mm-hmm. their secret sauce. Exactly. <laughs> so every franchise agreement will have confidentiality provisions that say, you know, we're going to provide you with confidential information, including an operating manual and business systems, but you have to keep those things confidential. 
And both during the term, you know, the 10 or 20 year term of the agreement and after the term, the agreement will will restrict the franchisee from engaging in a com- competitive business. Yeah. Um, and so it's, it's very important to understand that. Um, if at the end of a term, a franchisee wants to transition out of the franchise, they may be restricted for a period of time, typically two to five years from engaging in a similar business as they were in their franchise within a geographic area around where their location was. So it's which important is, to be aware of that. Yes. Yeah. And which is a good thing to know if you're investing in a franchise, you want to know that your neighbors are held to that, right? Other franchisees who they can't just leave the system and exactly. compete against you. Yep. It, it's, it's key. I mean, it, it, you're right, Blake, it protects both the franchisor and it protects their business, but it protects the individual franchisees and gives them confidence that, that there's not going to be unfair competition out there. Yep. So it's, it's a, it's a mutually beneficial thing. Yeah. Yeah, you got to protect the brand. Exactly. It benefits everybody. Exactly. But it means you got to really understand what As your you obligations said, are. That secret sauce is is what pays the bills. And that's yeah. that's what franchisors that's what they bring to the table. They've got they've figured out a way to 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 do business in a particular way that's been successful and so they're they're giving you that information in connection with your franchise. Indeed. Anything else, moving to that third category, kind of the the post term, right? So, termination rights, et cetera. Yep. Anything that you'd want to highlight there that's particularly important that you see in all or should be in all franchise agreements. I think a couple of things. I mean, it's important to understand if the franchisee has any rights to transfer their franchise during the term or sell the franchise. Mm-hmm. Typically, there's there's restrictions on the ability to do that. Sometimes the franchisor themselves will have a right of first refusal. If a franchisee wants to sell their franchise, the franchisor may say, hey, we have the first right to buy that from you. Right. And if they don't exercise that, the franchisor will want to interview a prospective transferee who who might be purchasing the franchise, make sure they're a suitable owner, make sure they have the financial wherewithal, and, and there's typically a transfer fee involved. But that can be a bit of a complicated process. So that's something to to definitely look at in advance. Um, in your experience, if I could interject, does it, that transfer clause also apply if if it's a generational wealth situation where somebody wants to transfer to a family member, a daughter, a son, a niece? Typically, there's exceptions for that kind of transfer within the family. If it's okay. if it's a uh, you know through a family member down to a son or a daughter or a related party. Typically, those are, those are easier transfers to, to put in place. And sometimes the, the franchisor will even waive or, or lessen the transfer fee for those, for those situations. If the franchise has been successful, they, they definitely want to keep it, you know, keep, it, keep it going. And so they'll, they'll accommodate those, those sort of transfers typically. Gotcha. If you're, if you're a good performer, <laughs> exactly. there's a good chance that that transfer is going to yep. go smoother. I think that's right. All right. All right. Um, termination provisions are important to important to understand. Most most franchise agreements offer limited termination rights to the franchisee, mm-hmm. except for things like breach by the franchisor. If the franchisor doesn't follow through on the commitments that they've made in the agreement, that might be a valid reason to terminate a franchise agreement by a franchisee. But most other termination rights are limited. So you're you're going to be on the hook for the full 10 years. On the other hand, the franchisor typically does have termination rights. If a franchisee is not performing, if they're not paying franchise fees on time, if they're not following system procedures, if they're not updating, a lot of franchise concepts have a requirement to, to update stores or update restaurants and keep things fresh. 
And if a franchisee is not doing that, th- those can be reasons that a franchisor can, can terminate the agreement. What about unforeseen circumstances? You know, so it's a, it's a husband and wife, right? Well, I guess if they're husband and wife, they're 50-50 owners regardless. But the, yeah. the husband, guys have heart attacks more often. So I'll say the husband's the operating, yeah. is the operating principal, um, has a debilitating heart attack, what have you, right? Um, are there... Are there exceptions made? Are there are there provisions for okay? We're going to let this spouse out of the agreement. There are, and and most good most good franchisors will will build that into the contract. A special force majeure provision is is the technical okay. term for it, which means an event that was unforeseen at the outset occurs and allows a franchisee to terminate early or to transition the business to a third party. And those sort of circumstances, a medical issue, a disability, those are the sort of things that that uh, should be in the agreement to provide that flexibility. Thanks. Thanks. Yep. Yep. I know we're getting to the point where we need to wrap up, but I really do want to go back to uh, what I said we're going to go back to, which is something that I've seen be very important, at least in any kind of uh, franchise business where a retail space is necessary, right, or any kind of office space, lease negotiation. My big question for you on that is, what are the things that people miss that you help them? And this franchise or not, right? So right. just people, somebody who's about to sign their first lease. Yep. What are the things that you help people catch that, that, that justify what you charge for that reviewing of a lease agreement? Right. Not unlike the franchise agreement itself, a lease agreement is a significant commitment for a business. Um, yeah. They tend to be, you know, Minimum of a five-year term on a lease, typically commercial lease. Um, typically, you're paying by the square foot. Um, you know, you, you need to be evaluating things like, do I have a right to expand? If I need, if I need additional space, mm-hmm. I've built a brand at a particular location. If I need additional space, do I have a right to expand? And that happens a lot. It does. Yeah. Um, and so, and do I have the ability to extend the term of my lease? I initially signed a five-year lease. Things are going great. I want to stay at this location. I built up clientele here, but I need the ability to to renew my lease. So, if you built that into the initial lease, you know, a renewal right at a reasonable yeah. at a reasonable uh, rental rate. I mean, those, those are important things to look at. Again, the personal guarantee arises. Most most commercial leases will require a personal guarantee from the owner. So, there's another commitment that the owner needs to be aware of and make sure that they're they're willing to accept that. Right. Understand what that means to them and their family. Exactly. Gotcha. Yep. Dave, I, we're going to have to do another episode. Uh, well, let's do it. Because <laughs> this, this is, is uh, this has been this fun. This has been, yeah, very good, very specific, helpful information that I think is applicable uh, to anybody investing in a franchise. And, and, and in many cases, like that lease discussion, applicable to anybody that yep. wants to be an entrepreneur, period. So thank you so much for spending time with us today. Uh, how could folks get a hold of you? Uh, they can contact us at our office. We're, we're in the Regency area. Our website is uh, FitzgeraldShore.com. Um, it's probably the best way to contact us. Um, be glad to sit down and talk with prospective franchisees, from, you know, a no, no charge initial meeting if they just want to chat and kind of figure out what, what services we provide and whether or not we can help them. So fantastic. Would really enjoy that. Thank you. And thanks again for being here today. You're welcome. Thank you. You bet. Speaking of getting in touch, if, if you're not a spelling bee champion and, and you can't spell Fitzgerald Shore, just scan the QR code on your screen and uh, we'll, that'll get you the contact info for us and we'll get you in touch with them. 
Speaking of the QR code, use that puppy, okay? Scan it and um, go ahead and subscribe, follow, and share our episodes and your favorite episodes. Give us feedback on what you like about the podcast. This is your podcast. Thank you all for joining us once again. Another thank you to Dave Holman. We very much appreciate your time with us today sharing about franchise law. We will see all of you again here soon on another episode of the Heartland Franchise Guide.